Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. If not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. That it doesn't turn back void. Give us ears to hear. Help us understand. May we hear your voice this morning. Amen. break has awarded me the opportunity to, to be here before you today. Uh, I got invited back after last time, so I guess that's, that's a good thing. So, um, uh, no, Jeff um, is on vacation in Florida, enjoying time with his family, and we are definitely glad that he is able to do that. So, um, start this morning with a story. Um, my freshman year of high school, my dad joined in this adventure with a friend of his to plant a new church in northeast Georgia, which is very rural. And at the time, it was kind of a wild idea, being in the Bible Belt there was a lot of established churches, and this endeavor and the idea in general was met with a lot of resistance from the local churches. Um, it was a great adventure, and luckily the friend that he had joined forces with in this was a church planter. That was his mission. He had planted churches in Reno, Nevada and Monk's Corner, South Carolina. 
This was new territory for our family and a wild idea for this area. I was able to participate in the youth ministry side of this as a student leader. A handful of high school students began gathering in a sandwich shop and building something from the ground up. It was almost like we were planting a church ourselves. We began dreaming and getting creative while being poured into by our adult leaders. I distinctly remember verse 2 of today's passage being a part of those gatherings. We would pray around it. We would talk about it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We gathered for months in preparation for the next school year. We spread the word, we invited, and we built relationships with our peers. We met on Tuesdays in our pastor's basement while other area youth groups met on Wednesdays. Our goal wasn't to be exclusive or to our church or to take people from another church, but we truly wanted to be a youth ministry in our community. Before too long, the basement area was so full that the students were backed up the stairs and eventually filled every stair up to the basement door. Our church, being a church plant, met in a hotel meeting room, then a roller rink, then a community theater, then an old car dealership. Before the church ever had its own building space, an area businessman gave our youth ministry a storefront right in the middle of town for $1 a year. My friends and I used to fight over who got to pay rent. <laughs> there were nights when that little storefront was beyond capacity. Breakout groups spilling into the sidewalk and to the fire escape. Youth from surrounding counties attending. I remember a friend of mine who claimed to be atheist saying to a friend of his from a neighboring county, this is the most open-minded group of Christians I've ever encountered. Now that brushed against my upbringing a little bit. I was wondering where I had gone wrong. <laughs> um, so it bothered me for a few days. And so I went to Joseph and I said, hey, Joseph, can you unpack that comment for me? And he said, well, what I meant is that this group of Christians isn't afraid to be my friend. There were two very big events in my high school years. The shooting at Columbine High School 
April 20th, 1999, and then September 11th, 2001, both on a Tuesday. And it brought heartbroken and grieving students to this little storefront to pray, to worship together, to grieve. There was a mystery to it. We could not then, and we cannot now, explain what happened in those years. There's a desire to figure it out, to somehow bottle it up, to recreate it, to take it from town to town, this movement. Really, it's not our place to figure it out. It's our job to live it out. I say that to say this. We began this series in the desert when Jesus was being tempted. But he was kingdom focused. He didn't lose sight of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God far outweighed any temptation for earthly power. It's so easy to focus on the things in front of us and miss the kingdom work. God is moving. God is acting. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. There are so many good things going on in the collective church. Around the world, around the country, in our community. Here. The temptation can be to look at the harvest and assume the work is done. The harvest, to what end? To what glory? The harvest, plentiful. The workers, few. Our sermon this morning is titled, Heaven's Reign. Jeff pointed out last week that it's often been said that Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. And then Jeff pointed out that Jesus was part of a religion. Jesus did not come to establish a church, at least not in the way that we practice church today. Not a building, not an institution, a business, a bureaucracy. Jesus came to usher in God's reign. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says of Peter, On this rock I will build my church. Ecclesia. 
meaning people called out of the world to be the mystical body of Christ, called out by God for his kingdom. I've said it in a sermon in this room before, and I'll say it again. It was Peter who chopped off the ear on the night of Jesus' arrest. Jesus who restored it. The church still chops off ears, often with a sword of business, institution, bureaucracy. But Jesus still restores them. In our scripture today, it says that Jesus sends out 70-something disciples in pairs of twos a practice adopted by the early church we read about in Acts. They take nothing with them and only rely on those who open their homes to them. Jesus warns them that they won't always be welcomed and that their ministry will be rejected. In the previous chapter, Jesus mourns the rejection of his message. It was rejection in Jewish cities. He claims that they would have probably been well received by the Gentiles. This statement comes shortly after the Samaritans refused to let Jesus enter their town. The author of Luke reminds us that Jews and Gentiles need Jesus' saving message. The disciples return with tales of being able to cast out demons, that God's power has been expressed through their ministry. Jesus ties their success to the defeat of Satan's kingdom. In Luke chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. This is not a reference to the origin story of Satan. But it is a statement about the victory of God's kingdom. The ministry of these 70 disciples is the beginning of the signs that God's kingdom is defeating all other kingdoms. Jesus encourages the disciples not to focus on their kingdoms, but to keep their attention on the ministry to which they have been called, not an earthly kingdom. Jesus models this posture by praising God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we witness the Godhead acting in unity in regard to the mission and life of Christ. Jesus acts through the Holy Spirit for the glory of the Father to continue God's redemptive work on earth. The word for reign is normally translated as kingdom. It suggests a place or political structure. But Christ's reign is the personal presence of Jesus. 
Jesus speaks of kingdom as something that is to come. The Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come. But also something that is already here. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, it says, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, Lo, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus equates God's reign with his presence. His miracles are meant to prove this. Luke chapter 11 verse 20 says, If I with God's touch cast out devils, then God's reign has arrived. And an extremely important instance when Jesus describes God's reign in Luke 22 Verse 29, at Jesus' last gathering with his father, followers, he tells them, now I give you the reign the father gave to me. God's reign is an unfolding process. It was unfolding then, and it's unfolding now. It's not two different things, one present and one to come. Gary Wills, the author of What Jesus Meant, wrote this about the kingdom. It is Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, exaltation, return, and new order when the whole universe will be fully united with the Father. What is our role? How can we labor for the harvest? In Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 38, the author wrote that Jesus said, But I say to you that here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And of him who takes away your goods, do not ask them again. And as you wish that men would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. To receive as much again. But love your enemies. And do good. And lend expecting nothing in return. 
and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Anyone who claims to know him must walk as Jesus did. Jesus is God's lamb. John 15, verses 1 through 12. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that bears no fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already made clean by the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. We enter the heavenly reign by love. Love not only leads to Jesus, It is Jesus. St. Augustine wrote, Where should we go but to him? And how should we go but by way of him? So he goes to himself through himself. And we go to him by way of him. And both of us, he and we, Arrive 